From Greenville, South Carolina, we present... Let the Bible Speak. Let the Bible Speak is the radio ministry of the Free Presbyterian Church of North America, preaching Christ in all His fullness. joining us for another broadcast of Let the Bible Speak. Today we continue a series of studies on the doctrine of the person and work of the Holy Spirit. Messages preached by Dr. Alan Cairns, founder of Let the Bible Speak Radio Ministries. We'll hear from Dr. Cairns in just a few minutes. First of all, please enjoy this devotional thought taken from Morning and Evening by Charles Haven Spurgeon. This morning's text comes from 1 John chapter 1 and verse 6 fellowship with Him. When we were united by faith to Christ, we were brought into such complete fellowship with Him that we were made one with Him, and His interests and ours became mutual and identical. We have fellowship with Christ in His love. What He loves, we love. He loves the saints, so do we. He loves sinners, so do we. He loves the poor perishing race of man, and pants to see earth's deserts transformed into the garden of the Lord. So do we. We have fellowship with Him in His desires. He desires the glory of God. We also labor for the same. He desires that the saints may be with Him where He is. We desire to be with Him there too. He desires to drive out sin. Behold, we fight under His banner. He desires that His Father's name may be loved and adored by all His creatures. We pray daily, Let Thy kingdom come, and Thy will be done on earth, even as it is in heaven. We have fellowship with Christ in His sufferings. We are not nailed to the cross, nor do we die a cruel death. But when He is reproached, we are reproached. And a very sweet thing it is to be blamed for His sake, to be despised for following the Master, to have the world against us. The disciple should not be above his Lord. In measure we commune with him in his labors, ministering to men by the word of truth and by deeds of love. Our meat and our drink, like his, is to do the will of him who hath sent us and to finish his work. We have also fellowship with Christ in his joys. We are happy in his happiness. We rejoice in his exaltation. Have you ever tasted that joy, believer? There is no purer, more thrilling delight to be known this side of heaven than that of having Christ's joy fulfilled in us, that our joy may be full. His glory awaits us to complete our fellowship, for His church shall sit with Him upon His throne as His well-beloved bride and queen. Astonishing mercy and power 
accord with his pleasure and will. He created each planet, each flower, every galaxy, microbe, and hill. He suspended this planet in space. Thank you.
Soon it will be the time of year when the thoughts of God's people turn with special emphasis to the miracle of the Incarnation, the incomprehensible truth of Emmanuel, God with us. The Apostle John wrote, And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Joseph was told, Thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. To assist you in meditating upon the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ into the world, we're happy to offer a unique publication called The Twelve Days of Christmas, written by Roger Ellsworth, an experienced minister and writer. The Twelve Days of Christmas is a small paperback book containing 24 devotions, each including a short scripture reading, several paragraphs, and a concluding section that draws lines of application from the text to modern-day life. The book is intended to help the hearts and minds of believers to focus on the wonder of the Incarnation, as well as to encourage unbelievers to come in repentance and faith to Christ. Let the Bible Speak is pleased to make this inspirational booklet available free of charge to our listening audience. You may have a copy simply by contacting us by phone, email, or regular mail. You may call us at 864-244-2408. That's 864-244-2408. You may email us at info at faithfpc.org. That's info at faithfpc.org. Or you may write, Let the Bible Speak, 1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29615. Again, that's Let the Bible Speak, 1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29615. We encourage you to request your free copy of The Twelve Days of Christmas While Supplies Last. Today on Let the Bible Speak, Dr. Alan Cairns continues his series of studies in the doctrine of the Holy Spirit, bringing the next portion of this message entitled, The Work of the Holy Spirit in Regeneration. Dr. Cairns here is calling attention to the work of the Spirit in the lives of individual men. The text is John chapter 6, verse 63, where the Lord Jesus Christ said of the Holy Spirit, "'It is the Spirit that quickeneth, the flesh profiteth nothing.'" We've seen that the Spirit's work in regeneration is a necessary act, for man can do nothing to save himself. Also, it is a gracious act. No man deserves salvation. Yet God is pleased to save sinners, to give eternal life to those who deserve eternal damnation. Now, Dr. Cairns continues this message, The Work of the Holy Spirit in Regeneration. But what can deal with a dead man? What can lighten the darkness? 
of the heart and the mind that's enmity with God? What can dispel the madness and the badness of the unregenerate soul? Nothing short of regeneration. Nothing short of it. In other words, this work of salvation in the experience of a man must start right at the very depths of his need. Nothing short of a new birth can be of any use to him. Now you can get a corpse and instead of laying it out in a coffin, you can set it up in an armchair. You can deck it out in beautiful robes. You can have a beautician come and uh, uh, put all the art of the beautician to work. And you can make that corpse look as lifelike as possible. You can color its cheeks and put a, a glistening agent in the eye. Now you can do everything. But at the end of the day, it's a corpse still. Our churches are full of spiritual corpses, of people who have been dressed up in the garments of religion, and they have the rouge of self-righteousness uh, put upon their cheeks. They are given the look-alike of life, and all the time they are dead in their sins. My friend, the great necessity is regeneration. Jesus said, ye must be born again. And I would say this to you today. You are in this meeting. You need to face this. I stand before my God. I'm either alive or I'm dead. I must, if I'm still dead in sin, be born again. There must be a commencement of spiritual life within me. I need to be born again. That's what Jesus taught. Why must a man be born again? Very simple, because there's something radically wrong with your first birth. Your first birth is a birth in sin, a birth of Adam. And 1 Corinthians 15:22 says it categorically, in Adam all die. Romans 5 and 12, by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, so death passed upon all men, in that all sinned. Something wrong with our first birth. It's hard for us to realize that, you know. You look at a babe born into the world, it's an object, usually at least, of great love, great welcome. It's hard for us to realize that the natural birth is a birth in Adam, a birth in sin. That's why you must be born again. You must be born again because you cannot be a Christian without being born again. Nothing else can make you a Christian. Without the new birth. Second Corinthians 5 and 17. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. If any man's not a new creature, he can't be in Christ. The church cannot make Christians. Baptism cannot make Christians. Good living cannot make Christians. Regeneration, the new birth, is absolutely essential to your being a Christian. Not only so, but heaven shut against you without being born again. John 3, and verse 3 puts it very clearly. Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. The kingdom shut to those who are not born again. You must be born again, or else remain dead and under condemnation forever. Now this 
therefore makes it a necessary act. The second thing I want to say about this work of the Holy Spirit in regeneration then is that it's a gracious act. If men by nature are all that I have described them from the Word of God, then clearly regeneration is not accomplished with reference to any human merit. Clearly, in fact, regeneration must be accomplished despite the greatest demerit. If men are dead, if men are incapable of spiritual good and only capable of spiritual evil, if men are bad, according to Ecclesiastes 9, and mad, according to the same verse, if they're the enemies of God, if their way is fully set in them to do evil, and they're resisting always the Holy Ghost, then obviously this act of regeneration is not done because of any good that's in them. It's done despite all the evil that's in them. It's the first thing. It's not done with reference to human merit. Take that a stage further. It's not done because of any act or series of acts of self-preparation on the part of the sinner. John 6 and 63, the flesh profiteth nothing. Now, do not get me wrong here. Should a sinner seek his God? Yes, he should. Should a sinner get down to the Bible? Yes, he should. Should he seek to prepare his heart to seek his God? Yes, he should. These are the duties of all God's creatures. But at the end of the day, we have got to come down to rock bottom and realize this. When I look out in a lost world and see men set in sin, I've got to realize, look, if my God doesn't save them, I can't save them, and they certainly never save themselves. There is no act that the carnal, wicked, depraved nature of man is capable of performing that can prepare them to make them ready for regeneration. They have the only qualification that a man can have to be regenerated, they're dead in trespasses and sins. That leads us to a third statement. This will come as a shock to some. So don't just blow your wig off and uh, not hear anything of the rest. Listen very carefully. Regeneration is not done as the result of any exercise of the human will, of his own will begat he us. That's what the scripture teaches. Specifically, and this is the part, specifically, regeneration is not accomplished as the result of faith. Now let that sink in. Regeneration is not accomplished as the result of the exercise of faith. In fact, the very opposite is true. Faith is the result of regeneration rather than regeneration being the result of faith. I read the statement of a preacher just the other day where he, he said that uh, he had no scripture, of course, but he said it anyway. Many preachers say many things without the scripture. He said, uh, we must believe that regeneration is the result of faith. Otherwise, 
if we take it the other way around, that would mean that salvation was totally and completely according to what he called the arbitrary will of God. So what? I want to tell you, I'd far rather have my salvation depending on the will of God than depending on the will of this man or any other man. Salvation does depend on the will of God. But I want you to get this. Men are dead in sin. Dead men do not believe. That's all there is to it. Dead men do not do anything but remain dead. How then do men believe? Men believe as the result of an internal, supernatural activity of the Holy Spirit, whereby He implants the divine seed within their heart. That seed is a life-giving seed, and as the result of that initial mysterious act of the Holy Ghost whereby he gives the principle of life to a man immediately that life is expressed by faith in Jesus Christ that's how men believe I can prove that very simply I can give it to you in the words of the Bible faith comes as the result of omnipotence I want you to get that. Not too many preachers ever preach it, but I would to God they would. Somehow or other preachers are afraid if they don't give men a big enough say in their own salvation, they'll not be saved. Well, let me tell you, it's time we began to do what the Bible did and give God His say in salvation, otherwise they won't be saved. Faith comes because God exercises omnipotent power. Now, those of you who have heard me preach often will know this verse in Ephesians chapter 1. I have to confess that I read Ephesians for years before the meaning of the words ever sank into my thick skull. And I have to confess that most other people have done the same. I watch it very carefully. Ephesians chapter 1, we have Paul's prayer for the church at Ephesus. He's praying basically for three things for them. That, verse 17, God may give unto them the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Verse 18, that they may know what is the hope of their calling. And what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. And four, or three, what is the exceeding greatness of his power. Now that's what he's praying. Now, verse 19. Here's Paul's prayer. That you may know that I'm filling in from the previous verses that we made yet to sense. That you may know what is the exceeding greatness of his power to us were to believe. Now, everybody's with me so far. There's no difficulty there. But look at the next phrase. That you may know the exceeding greatness of his power to usward 
who believe according to the working of his mighty power which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead. Now let these words sink in. How do we believe? We believe according to the working of the very power that it took to raise Jesus Christ from the dead. That's how I believe. Now that's not my word. That is the categoric statement of God the Holy Spirit. We believe according to the working of the power of God. The same power that raised Christ from the dead. Should that come as a surprise? When he says when he saves you, he raises you from the dead. So the faith we exercise is not screwing up some ability of the flesh. It is, as Ephesians 2 and 8 says, the gift of God. It's the gift of God. It's the first result in our lives of regeneration. Colossians 2 and 12 teaches again the operation of omnipotence to give us faith. And thus, regeneration is a gracious act of God. We didn't deserve it. In fact, the very opposite. We didn't prepare ourselves to receive it. In fact, the very opposite. We were resisting the Holy Ghost. It wasn't because we believed. We believe, rather, as the result of this. This is totally the act of God in grace. When I realized that, there was I, a poor, vile, guilty, hell-deserving sinner. With every muscle in my body, I was striving to oppose God and go to the pit. And yet God, out of the free grace, that the Bible reveals, reached down and he saved this guilty soul. I can only say, with Jonah of old, salvation is of the Lord. And I give God the glory. It's a gracious act. The Bible Speak is the radio ministry of the Free Presbyterian Church of North America, founded by Dr. Alan Cairns. Let the Bible Speak is also heard in many parts of the world through the international radio outreach of Let the Bible Speak, produced in Northern Ireland. The Free Presbyterian Church stands without apology for the absolute inerrancy of the Bible, emphasizing preaching that centers on the person and work of the Lord Jesus Christ and is militant in its stand against the ecumenical apostasy and the efforts of the world to infiltrate the church. For further information about the Free Presbyterian Church, you may email info at faithfpc.org. That's info at faithfpc.org. You may call us at 864-244-2408, or you may write, Let the Bible Speak, 1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29615. Again, that's Let the Bible Speak, 1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29615. Also, we encourage you to visit the website of the Free Presbyterian Church of North America at www.fpcna.org. That's www.fpcna.org. This is Charles Kelsch saying thank you for listening and inviting you to join us again as we Let the Bible Speak. (music) 